Hi, this is Dominic Kearns with the Rising as One podcast. Before we begin, I'd love to thank several sponsors. I'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network first. You can find all their stuff at bgn.fm. They're responsible for getting many great USL podcasts out, so please give them a look. Also go to firebirdsoccer.net. This is the new website for our former Firebird Rising coverage, so you can find all sorts of great coverage for Phoenix Rising FC and other soccer-related news in the state of Arizona, all at firebirdsoccer.net. And lastly, we would like to thank Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is a uh, sponsor for, you know, MLS teams, USL teams, all sorts of other stuff. So go to Roughneck Scarves and find a scarf today. And now let's get on to the show. Hello, everybody. This is Jeff Went from the Rising is One podcast and from Firebird Soccer. Uh, sorry, I'm not on the podcast today with Dominic and with Kyle. Uh, wanted to personally send you guys a message today to just kind of fill you in on on a little bit of what's happened over the past week. Uh, I've had some things come up in my life that uh, unfortunately have needed my attention. And they kind of need my attention a little bit more than uh, covering Phoenix Rising uh, at the moment. Um, I want you guys to know, first of all, that this is not a goodbye. Uh, This is merely uh, taking a time out and kind of uh, reassessing some of the things uh, going on in my life right now. Uh, I certainly don't want to leave uh, the the Arizona soccer scene uh, whatsoever. Um, it's just a, a time to take care of some family matters and step aside for just a little bit and get those uh, kind of squared away and in, in, in order before, uh, you know, really reinvigorating my focus back on not only Phoenix Rising soccer, but also soccer in the state of Arizona. Um, obviously, you know, it's a big few months coming up for the club, you know, especially with the possibility of an MLS bid. Uh, you know, you've got tons of soccer coming up uh not only with grand canyon university with the men's and women's program you've also got ASU women's program going on you've got u of a women's program going on down in down in tucson um you know there's great ayso programs around the state that that we love and and obviously at firebird soccer we want to get all those covered and at some point we will have all those covered i'm pretty sure and confident we will one day you know we'll have definitely different writers and different uh, people contributing and focusing on how that's going to work out at some point. But, you know, in order to do that, you kind of have to rearrange things, uh, you know, for yourself personally first before you can can get that focus uh, uh, going and really uh, be invigorated about it. So, so to take care of, you know, my personal matters, I'm going to step aside for just a little bit. Um, and uh, and get those taken care of first. Obviously, thanks first and foremost goes to uh, Dominic and Kyle. Uh, you guys have been nothing but great as far as the program is concerned. Uh, great insights, great coverage. Uh, I have no doubt in my mind that you two will continue to uh, be the leaders uh, of the Rising as One podcast and and. 
I know, Dominic, you've invited me to come back from time to time, and I might come back from time to time. We can talk about that, you know, one day and, and, and you know, just kind of kind of blow uh, put some things together and, and, and kind of think about it. And, and, Kyle, you've been such a great, uh, a great uh, j- uh, contributor to the program joining us this year. Um, you've had some wonderful insights, and I'm sure you'll have more wonderful insights to come as, as the as the rest of this season and, and 2019 goes along. Um, second of all, I want to thank the Phoenix Rising uh, organization for their uh, well wishes and their messages of, of encouragement uh, through this entire uh, ongoing. Uh, received uh, some personal messages this week from from Bobby Dooley and from. Uh, Tim Reister uh, got some personal messages on Twitter this week from Sam Dore and from David Rappaport um, and Jose Bosch. Uh, you know, those guys are great over there and what they're doing with Phoenix Rising. I have no doubt in my mind that they will aspire and reach the levels that they're going to reach. Um, you know, if it weren't for, the for you know, not, not only the guys that I mentioned, but also, you know, Burke Bakai and, and uh, uh, the many others that, that help run Phoenix Rising uh, definitely will, will take it uh, to the next level. Uh, I want to thank uh, Aaron Blau at Firebird Soccer, who's going to take over the managing role uh, at, the time, at this time. Uh, Mark Murray will be uh, uh, doing a lot of the contributing writing now for, for the rest of the Phoenix Rising season. Uh, Mark Murray is an excellent writer. He has also did some great coverage for us uh, a couple weeks ago in Portland. Got us those great quotes from Rick Chance uh, from the Portland match. So we were, we we're very thankful he was there and was able to get those. Um, those two gentlemen uh, will definitely uh, uh, not leave Firebird Soccer in a bad situation. Firebird Soccer will continue to grow. Uh, I know Aaron is already talking to other individuals about contributing uh, when when uh, the college season gets started, so I can't wait to see uh, some new people come on board and, and give us a hand there. Um, next, I'd like to thank the fans, not only of Firebird Soccer, but the fans of Rising as One podcast as well. Um, you guys have been great. Um, I've, you know, A number of you have reached out to me this week as well. Uh, you know, at, you know, giving me your well wishes for for me, and I take every one of those, and I appreciate them, and I uh, they 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 mean the world to me. You know, uh, uh, it, it's not easy to go through what I'm going through right now. Um, you know, a, a few individuals know what's going on, and I'm going to leave it that way right now. Uh, maybe one day I may you know get into further details to what's going on, but for the most part, you know. Once I get through this personal side of my life and get everything in order, then then I think uh, you know I'll have a clearer head and I'll have a a more straight path as to you know where the future of not only Rising is one but but uh, Firebird Soccer goes as well. Um, the fans have been great. You guys have been wonderful. Um, we love your passion. We thank you for your questions every week. We thank you for your comments every week. Uh, it makes us ind- individually better. You know, as we do the podcast, makes us better as we write stories and and you know whatever you want to see on Firebird Soccer. Uh, it's greatly appreciated that, that you guys you know tell us that, you know what we're doing right, what we're not doing right, and you know without you guys we don't have a show. Without you guys we don't have a site that people go to every week to not only read previews but game stories, see photos, you know. Uh, read about other other soccer teams around the state and how they're doing. So we really appreciate all that. 
like I said, guys, finally in closing all this, I'm not going away forever. I promise you I will be back and stronger than ever. Uh, you know, I, I, I love this sport and I love this state of Arizona soccer too much to just walk away straight away from it. Um, I've been covering this team for five years since I started covering at the Arizona Republic. Uh, you know, back when Kyle Ling first bought the club and named him Arizona United uh, back in 2014. Uh, it's been a it's been a great run. It's been a long run. It's been a hard run. It's been an enjoyable run. You know, this this five years. But but just needing a, a quick timeout to to recess and reset everything in my life and. And kind of get myself steered in the right direction, you know. And then, you know, hopefully, like I said, that you know, before the 2019 season begins, uh, you know, hopefully the opportunity is that I'll be back up in the press box where Bobby Dooley and and Jose Bosch have already said there's always a seat available for you in the press box, and I appreciate that from them uh, more than anything. Uh, but but you know, I hope to be back on a sideline covering soccer again one day. Uh, you know, I will, you know, I may pop in from time to time and offer my, you know, opinions on, on Firebird Soccer. I may pop in from time to time on Rising as One podcast, you know, and, uh, and, and offer my thoughts and opinions there. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's been fun. And, and you guys, the fans, make it fun. So I appreciate all your well wishes. I appreciate your thoughts. Dominic, Kyle, Take this podcast to the next level and enjoy it for the rest of the season because I know we got some great things on the horizon uh, with this club, not only finishing out the season, but, you know, hopefully some sort of an announcement would be wonderful at the end of this year. So, uh, guys, I will leave it at that. Thank you very much. Uh, it's not goodbye. I'm not saying goodbye, people. I don't want to do that. So I will see you guys again soon. Hello and welcome to the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns here with Kyle Mackey and our new guest, Aaron Blau. How are you doing? Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm doing great, you know, just uh, just kind of getting over the emotional roller coaster that was the match last night. But, uh, you know, great to be here. Yeah, that was that was one wild match for sure. Um, before we get started, a couple things. First, we want to thank our sponsor, the Arizona Sports Complex, with a location in Glendale right by the 17 and the 101. It has two beautiful indoor fields, perfect for leagues of all ages. Whether you have a 7-year-old child or you are a 67-year-old man looking to get out there, the Arizona Sports Complex is the place for you. There's also an outdoor field when the weather gets cooler. So go out there, give it a shot, and let them know that the Rising is One podcast sent you, and you'll have a discounted annual membership. Before we begin talking about this match, we should also mention why Jeff Went isn't with us today. And um, I think some of you may have seen his message on the Firebird Soccer Twitter, uh, but, you know, just some personal things going on in his life right now um, that he has to, you know, take care of family comes first I think that's a great thing and um, I don't know what your guys' impressions are of Jeff but you know he's meant so much to me we know he'll be back but it still is a weird feeling not having him on this show yeah I, I agree I mean that it, it will be different I mean he's definitely going to be missed um, I mean he's been 
I mean, I just came into this show this this past season, so for me to have a huge part of the cast is gone, it's definitely going to be different. But, you know, I mean, he's got to take care of his family first, as you said, and that's the priority. And uh, we can keep this going in the meanwhile. I'm, I'm excited to have Aaron here. You know, I, I met him last night, and I think I think he's going to be a great fit. Jeff's been a great mentor for us, <clears throat> for me personally, over at Firebird Soccer. Um, he's very understanding uh, in, 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 to me in the way that I'm learning sort of the field and learning the uh, writing pieces and on top of uh, getting the photography down. So, yeah, it, it's definitely a, a blow, but we're so supportive. And, and the team has been so supportive. The front office uh, has been very supportive of him uh, as he's going through some tough times. But, you know, everybody will, uh, with all that support, we're going to get him through. Yeah, definitely. I echo all of that, and, you know, to me, starting this back in 2017 with him and Matt Trainer, who gave us a lot that year, um, but Jeff Wentz really been a mentor. Um, he was the one that brought me up to the press box the first few times, uh, has so many connections with the team, and really got me started on that path, and, you know, he's almost like an uncle figure to me. I don't really have family out here in Arizona, and he's, uh, he even when he has adversity going on in his life, he'll never show it. He has a smile on his face, hardworking, um, and he's just been such a servant for this team, covering this team for so many years. Back before any of us were really, you know, maybe Kyle, you were following Arizona Wolves and, and um, AZ United, Phoenix Wolves and Arizona United, but um, it's crazy how long he's been a part of this soccer community, and Everything you said is true, Aaron and Kyle. Um, we wish him all the best, and we know he'll be back. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, and that's that's. I mean, he's been such a mainstay, and yeah. I, I mean, I've seen Jeff's work. For, he's followed, you know, professional soccer here in the Valley for for a long time since since the beginning. It seems like so. Uh, he will be missed, but as you said, he will be back as well. So uh, we'll just you know keep. Keep everything in line as uh, while he's away. Yeah, definitely. So with that all being said, let's turn to the match on Saturday. This was a pretty crazy match. Um, it finished 4-3 to Orange County, but even by 4-3 standards, this was one of the weirder matches. So Aaron, why don't you take us through this one from the start? Well, we certainly knew that the match was going to be a, a hard-fought match. Uh, this is an incredible series that we've had in between uh, uh, going as far back to the Arizona United days. Uh, going back seven games, only two games have actually ended in a result. Uh, the uh, June game when, where Phoenix Rising was able to win, and this game where Orange County was able to win. All the others have been ties. So there's a lot of um, pent-up <laughs> uh, pent strategy that's existed between these two teams. The lineup that Phoenix used was the same lineup as the prior week in Portland. It, it, it seemed to work very, very nicely uh, with the additions of Vega uh, as well as Andre, Alessandro Rigi. Uh, unfortunately, in the 14th minute, Ricci was forced off with what looks like looks to be a, a nasty knee injury uh, that involves 
what looked to me from my angle at spikes going straight down his shin. Uh, unfortunately, this, you know, I'd hate to opine, but it looks like it's potentially a season ender for him. Uh, he was out for an extended period of time during the 2017 season uh, with a, a knee injury, and I haven't confirmed whether it's the same knee or not. Um, that 14th minute injury brought on Jason Johnson. Uh, Jason, of course, is our 2017 uh, leader in goals for the team. So, you know, that having Jason on the field is never going to be a bad thing. But in my view, I was feeling that Jason was, was going to be coming on somewhere in the 65th minute, not the, four, not the 14th minute. And I think that that really caused the coaching staff to modify their strategy and uh, set us back on our heels a bit. I, I think uh, this might be a good place to stop because I totally agree with that last point you made, how it changes the strategy and really the approach for this match. Uh, Kyle and I were right next to each other in supporter section and we were talking about this too, how it felt like a turning point when Rigi picks up the injury. Now you have to play Johnson 75 minutes and we didn't quite have anyone on the bench that had Rigi's vision and creativity in that role. So... There would be situations later in this match, which we'll get to, where maybe Rigi's vision and creativity would have led to a better chance or a goal. Certainly. Um, and of course, part of the reason why Rigi, Rigi is on is because of the three-game mention to Gladson Owako, uh, as he received a yellow card and then a red card for hands to the face in the prior match. Uh, so Rigi was definitely very needed in that role. Uh, in the 39th minute, Michael Seaton, uh, the Orange County player, had a low, curled a low shot, just barely rolled as it hit the far post uh, past Wazinski. And at 39 minutes, now we're down one to nothing. Yeah, what what is there to say about this shot? I mean, it's it's a great hit, perfect shot, the kind of shot you would expect at a higher level, maybe like a. You know, almost looked like a Premier League kind of worm burner. Just gets a little bit of space and kind of curls it perfectly into the post. You don't see a shot of that quality in USL very often. However, Kyle and I also noted this. Our defenders were giving Envoldson and Seaton too much time to shoot and too much space to shoot that entire half. Wazinski bailed us out with a couple nice saves, but it did... We did have that feeling that it was going to cost us at some point because OC has these guys that can take advantage of those shots. They're not going to spray it into the 17th row like in Vegas next Saturday. <laughs> absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And I, I mean, on that goal, especially looking back at it, I mean, there was just way too much space given to Seton right there. And I mean, he is a quality goal scorer, and we saw it right there with that finish. Um, yeah, I agree, Dominic. That definitely is uh, reminiscent of some Premier League goals. So uh, just quality all around. I mean, you'd like to see better from, from the Phoenix Rising defense, but, I mean, it's it's one of those goals that you can't be too disappointed when it goes in against you. Right. And did we want to touch on a chance right before that that Jason Johnson had? Um, I forget which minute it was, but taking on a bunch of defenders, getting one-on-one. -on -one. It was in, like, the 24th minute, I believe. And, yeah, I mean, I, 
I want to say he burns like four defenders on that run. He goes from from maybe about the you know eight, near the 18 yard box in Phoenix's half and and takes it on a run all the way down that left flank. And I mean he gets into Orange County's box and I think he's going to slip it past the keeper. We talked about it earlier. It looked like he had. on the sides to try and take it for himself. But unfortunately, Rawls is, is up to it and just, you know, gets down low and blocks the shot. Yeah, so that actually, uh, I was kind of fortunate to see that. That happened right in front of me. Uh, and, and you're right, that was right about in the 23rd minute. And uh, Jason's uh, taken it up the side using some pace, um, then really just slowed up. And, and I was talking with one of the other photographers on the sideline, and it almost appeared as though, like, the whistle had blown. He just He just held up. And then uh, made a turn, burned across the middle. Now, as he's coming across the middle, uh, he's using some really quite incredible footwork. But if he would have had his head up just a little bit, he would have seen that the defender who was marking Cortez at the time uh, had had uh, shifted over and left Cortez wide open. Uh, you know, it's one of those situations where. If he would have been able to put the the ball into the where Cortez's feet are, it's a quick quick swipe by Cortez and a nice scoring chance. So I don't know who would have had who had the better look, uh, whether Johnson did or if Cortez would have. But that go, that plays to either some of the creativity or the fact that somebody like a like an Alessandro Rigi is really an assist machine, where. Uh, Johnson's main purpose is, a, is in the scoring position. So Johnson, being a scoring mentality, takes a shot that maybe uh, isn't as high percentage as if he would have laid it off. Yeah, and another point off of that is, you know, it didn't look like Cortez had a great game. He had some half chances, um, didn't necessarily have the wheels on. So maybe having a great chance like that where he puts it in, maybe that would have given him a boost in confidence, in mentality, and had him be more involved with the rest of the match. And then he didn't get that, and you started to see the frustration, which came up several times later in the match where maybe he wasn't getting the service he wanted. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that completely, Dominic. I mean, Cortez is kind of one of those players. He needs to, to work his way into the match, but once he starts getting opportunities, they in the quality opportunities, he can usually put... A few in the back of the net at least he has this season so far so I mean last night he just it just wasn't his night it was a night of half chances and yeah I mean I I I think that after that opportunity he was probably disappointed with Johnson and um, just the fact that he wasn't able to work himself in the game it made for a long match for Cortez and there was another chance I don't even think it made the game log but uh, late in the first half I don't know if it was right before Orange County's goal or right afterwards, where Asante was on the right wing, got a cross into the box. Cortez made a good run, and the cross was maybe six to eight inches above his head. No contact made. Orange County's able to clear. It might have been right before because I felt like we were made to pay for that pretty quickly. Um, and if that if that cross is just down a little bit, you like Cortez's chances to head that in. So it's just kind of a frustrating night for him and I don't know what did you guys think about that chance it was kind of indicative just like what you're saying uh, um, pretty typical uh, with what would seem to be happening again players have their roles 
And sometimes when you have too many goal scorers who are on the field at a particular time uh, versus, uh, you know, our, our the way our lineup has been pretty well set is we have uh, passers and we have goal scorers. And uh, unfortunately, it shakes up the, the chemistry a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I think I agree with both of you that if Regis in that situation instead of Johnson, I'd say we see, Re- unless Regi just sees an amazing opening to take a curler shot for himself, Regi lays that off for Cortez and we're, we're up 1-0 most likely at that point. So, um, I mean, unfortunate, I, I definitely think Johnson had a bit of tunnel vision there, but I mean, I think it's, I think that's an opportunity where Shantz will take Johnson aside and kind of show him not the error of his ways, but how he could have done better, maybe. And uh, maybe that's, you know, something he can learn from and do better going forward. Well, we certainly had kind of a tale of two halves. Uh, so, you know, that's a little bit about the first half. Um, as, as we move into the second half here, um, in the 48th minute, we have a uh, right-footed goal by uh, by the golden boot leader, uh, Thomas and Volson for Orange County. That takes the uh, takes us to uh, two nothing. On uh, what did you guys see on that from from your perspective? I mean, uh, I didn't see this one live, but went back and saw the replay a couple times, and kind of a similar build up to the first goal. Like they string some passes together, they're outside the eighteen, and so I think a couple of our defenders were a little bit relaxed, and. You know, maybe against other teams that doesn't bite us, but in this match, Envoldsen, you know, from about 20 yards out, just rips a low shot off the bar in perfect placement. Again, kind of a goal that you would see maybe in like MLS or a higher level of soccer. Um, you know, kind of looked like a, a MLS or a Premier League goal there. Uh, you don't see a lot of those chances converted at the USL level. Maybe if a guy like Drogba or Asante is on that ball, but you don't you don't see that too often. I mean, and it's it's weird because you don't feel like Orange County had a lot of clear cut chances. If anything, maybe their more clear cut chances were the ones that Carl saved, and then to be down two nil off of two shots outside the eighteen, it's just a weird feeling. I mean, and maybe it's a wake up call too for our defenders. You know, you can't just have that switch on inside the 18. You got to be pressing the attackers at all times because some teams have guys that can put it in from out there. So then we go speaking about our defenders. Uh, in the 59th minute, uh, Dewey Mala uh, is shown a yellow card on on a for for what is quoted on the USL site as a bad foul. Uh, that is a nut, going to be another bit of a blow to Phoenix Rising FC, as uh, Mala was on a yellow card caution. That that now that fifth caution uh, results in a one-game suspension. He is going to be unavailable against the Las Vegas Lights in our next matchup. In we talked about this in in the pre-show. I mean, it's a bummer, but honestly, I would rather have it had it happened last night than happened in Vegas and thus not have Mala against this match, next home match against San Antonio. I mean, it's going to be a loss to have him, but I mean, I think I think we're all confident in Joe Farrell that he can step in there with the font and, uh, you know, anchor down that, that back line against Las Vegas. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's kind of tough, but you you live with it. And I agree that you know not having it for Vegas isn't the worst thing in the world. So following that in the 65th and the 67th minute, we have what really felt to be uh, the nails in the coffin, the uh, hole in the hot air balloon, whatever it was that that you know really seemed like the game was pretty much over. We had a, uh, a goal by Aiden Quinn, uh, or a, I'm sorry, on a penalty. Uh, the penalty via the announcers on the TV stream seemed to think that that penalty may not have uh, been warranted. Well. Looking on the replay, it wasn't warranted. I mean, um, so it's a corner kick for Orange County, and every corner kick you're going to be seeing like a you know some pushing and shoving with attackers, defenders, and they call this on Defont for you know like restricting restricting Walker Hume in the box, but it didn't really look like he was bear hugging him. I didn't see a jersey pull. I'm always looking for jersey pulls in the box that's a good indicator of is the guy truly being restricted i mean it seems like one of those things that it just happens all the time if you're going to call penalty on that you could call penalty on any corner kick in the match and i think that's why the color commentator was saying that's ridiculous and then he even said and then even the play-by-play guy says are the soccer gods just right before their kick i think we can all agree that he's saying like is this kick actually going to be stopped? Um, but he's trying to do it in a politically correct way. I mean, th- it's not a penalty. That's just not a call that you can see. And this is something that just grinds my gears with USL refing. So inconsistent. You're going to call a penalty on that, and then 10, 15 minutes later, when Asante gets taken down in the midfield twice deliberately late challenges and no yellow card produced for either of those it just makes you wonder what's going on coach chance in the uh uh, in the post game was asked about the officiating uh he said quote the ref in the middle wasn't bad i thought he was a little quick on the yellows for us and they got away with a little in the end i don't have a problem with him what i don't like is when fourth officials don't help i think that's something our league needs to improve on educating these officials and handling these matches but all in all, it wasn't the referees tonight. So, so I, you know, it sounds like Coach Chance doing a little bit of coverage there for, for the referees, but uh, all coaches have to be very, very careful uh, in, in that criticism. And Kyle, what were your thoughts on that play and just the officiating in general? I mean, I thought up until that point, I mean, maybe, yeah, the yellows were, some of them were maybe a bit questionable, and, and to see... To see the ref giving out warnings to players in the 84th minute, I thought that was, you know, that was kind of interesting as well. Um, I mean, it was it was a bit inconsistent that penalty call. I mean, for me, yeah, that's no penalty, no matter what team I'm supporting. It, it definitely is a bummer to see it go in there. You hope that Carl is is able to say that, but I mean, that didn't happen, so we got to work through it. I mean, I I do think we've seen it a lot this season, the inconsistencies with with the pro referees in USL and it's I mean it's disappointing because it in this situation it influenced the game I mean it changed it because if if Orange County doesn't score that goal I mean you still think Phoenix comes back and gets three 
So it's, I mean, it, that can cost us a point if you want to look at it from that perspective. So it, it is a bummer, but I mean, it's not, there's nothing we can really do to change it. We just have to hope that the league is taking notice and makes some changes going into next season. Yeah, I, and the refing so wasn't the story of this match, but um, that one call is frustrating and, you know, it, it might have cost us a point. Well, I think what it did cost us, it cost us a little bit of focus. Because two minutes later, uh, in the 67th minute, that's where Michael Seaton uh, picked up the brace uh, with a right-footed shot. Uh, again, assisted by Anna Voltsen, uh It seemed like the coverage was a little bit loose. So that 67th minute, now we're four to nothing with Orange County um, with not a lot of time left in the game. Yeah, at this point... Fans are starting to stream out of the stadium. You get back-to-back sucker punch goals like that. Um, you know, two of my friends in supporters section who I've never seen them leave. You know, early maybe like the last few minutes, the outcome's already at, like decided. They left even before the 70th minute after those two goals, and at that point, it really did seem like game over. There's not even a chance. Well, uh, some folks were probably making a decision whether or not that they were going to head head uh, up the aisles and, and out into the parking lot. Uh, just about a minute and a half later, we have a uh, penalty uh, by Walt Walker Hume against uh, Solomon Asante, riding on him uh, as Asante was uh, charging through in the box. Asante then places that goal uh, into the bottom left corner, and now all of a sudden the second game of the night begins. 4-1. Orange County. Kyle, what was it like in the supporters section at the, after that first goal? Did it feel like there was anything happening, or maybe it was a few minutes later where things really started to feel? Real? I mean, I think, I think, I mean, me and you were talking after that first goal. I had a bit of belief at that point. I mean, I it still was, you know, a bit of just a consolation goal. You know, you see it as a four-one. Yeah, we got. We got a goal, but it came so late in the match when the result was basically decided. But I mean, I think I think the fact that we scored and we're able to pop off some smoke bombs, I think it got the fans a little bit into it. I mean, a lot of the fans they're just excited to see a goal take place, period. And the fact that it was in front of the supporter section, that made it nice. You know, I mean that was that was a good thing to see. But I, I don't think anybody saw us pulling out a result at that point. No, but it definitely, I mean, it was good to see just Asante try to get a bit of individual effort and us just to see us get something. At that point, I was really thinking, okay, we got one goal. That helps with goal differential. That's that's really about it. So five minutes later, uh, we have our Phoenix Rising second goal, uh, with which is actually official. USL has it officially credited to Devontae DeBose think Firebird Soccer is crediting this to uh, Solomon Asante, as well as the team also crediting this to Solomon Asante. We have Devontae DuBose, who uh, uh, takes a uh, nice pass from, from Vega over on the right-hand side. Um, from the angle that I saw, it looked to me that it was more of a shot, but it also could have been a pass just trying to get a cross in. Uh, comes off of Asante's foot, just has just enough of a redirection to uh, get the the keeper off of his line puts it past him in the bottom right uh, and puts it past uh, the bottom right corner. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, no doubt Asante got a deflection on it. Um, I mean, not really sure if it was a cross or a shot. It almost looked like DeBose took one of those type of shots that you see in hockey to where he's just throwing the ball at the net and hoping that somebody can get a touch on it. And, I mean, that that was the case. Um, you hoped that, that Asante does get credited for that goal because, I mean, every every goal towards his race for the golden boot will, uh, will help. And, I mean, I think that... Uh, it's great just for Asante to see him scoring again. We, you know, we hadn't seen him scoring for a while, so to see him get two goals, eventually three, that was uh, that was awesome. Right, and uh, definitely instilled some belief because to that point, even after the first goal, you're like, all right, maybe consolation, but we don't really have a chance. Two goals in five minutes. Now you're starting to think, hey, there's still there's still almost twenty minutes plus added time. We can do this. Especially in this too. really strange series. Yeah, especially in this really strange series between uh, uh, between Phoenix County where we have multiple times where we have games that get tied up in stoppage or, you know, right around right around that ninetieth minute in order to create a tie out of what was basically nothing. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, history has shown this this series is uh, definitely has some late dramatics to it. And I mean I I have to say myself, I thought that, you know, we could pull something back at that point, maybe, maybe, you know, a 4-4 draw. And it was, for me, it was the players' body language. The Phoenix Rising players, after that second goal, they were encouraging the fans to get up, to get loud, to keep supporting them. And I, I mean, I think the response we saw from the fans in the stadium was great. So many times, especially here in Phoenix, it's so hot out, you would see fans leaving and going home early. But uh, that was not the case. Well, yeah, the the people that stuck around were amazing. And then there was a play that, in my mind, this was the moment that cost us a draw. It's just seconds later. Aaron, why don't you take us through this one? So you're talking about... So uh, what I, I believe what you're talking about is uh, the what looked to be a... We were hoping it was going to be a repeat of a of a similar cross, uh, which happened to show up on Sports Center. Uh, there we uh, they did meet Jason Johnson's feet um, in a scissor kick style format. Uh, unfortunately, the ball uh, didn't come off with a ton of pace and ended up right in the hands of the goalkeeper Rawls, um, and uh, that was kind of a bummer. I was actually thinking about right after that second goal. Um, Devin Vega gets into the attack, like 74th minute, one minute after we make it 2-4, one minute after people are still going nuts, and Devin Vega um, gets a good ball, comes up the left wing, fires in a cross, Jason Johnson unmarked in front of the keeper, and this place is ready to explode. If there was a roof, that roof was about to come off, and he gets his head on the ball and it just goes agonizingly wide of that post. I'm thinking when that cross comes yeah. in, that's for sure a goal. And then if we're at three, four, just that split second, I was starting to think we can actually go and win this thing. And then it just misses. And of course, everyone's still excited, but I, Kyle and I mentioned this, like if we lose by one, this is going to be the moment. That's right. That scissor kick did come earlier. Uh, it, it did come earlier in the game. I forgot about the, the header opportunity. Um, not too long after that, in the 83rd minute, we have Kevon Frader, 
um, who comes on to replace Devontae DuBose. He joins Evan Waldrop, uh, who replaced Paul Fernandez uh, earlier in the match in the 50-something minute. Um, and now we have a whole shift in, uh, in mentality because without Devontae DuBose, uh, we're now going uh, what look he's almost unmarked um, and puts a rocket off of the top uh, off of the crossbar, um, again another one of those chances where if that ball would have gone in, the whole place was going to go absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah. So, Kyle, you can go first. Oh, oh, thank you. I was just gonna say, yeah. I mean, me and Dominic were right there, and that was another one to where we just we looked at each other and said that that was it. You know, that was another another missed huge opportunity that could have could have definitely turned the tide and gotten us something. So, I mean, it's it was great to see the fight out of the team, but, it, I mean, it was just such a bummer that we weren't able to put any of those great opportunities in the back of the net. Yeah, and sorry we lost a few seconds of that description, Aaron, uh, but it was a great buildup, you know, Cortez getting that ball forward for Freighter, Freighter with a great touch, and really just felt unfair for both of those guys. Cortez for fighting even through a really tough match to put a great ball in for Freighter. Freighter to like have an excellent first touch with his chest with two defenders kind of splits them, creates that space, rockets it and you know, he's such a good guy off the pitch. No one deserves it, you know, in that sense more than Freighter um who's been working his tail off. He scored double digit goals last year for Colorado Springs and um you know, it just seems like another moment where it's just what a cruel game. Their shot goes in off the bar. Ours goes out off the bar. Um, and so we're still down 2-4. And at this point, you know, then you're really thinking, man, I guess this isn't our night. Yeah, things started getting chippy a, a little bit after that with some, uh, you know, somewhat ticky-tack fouls. Uh, Orange County, uh, Kevin Alston picks up a yellow card in the 90, 90th plus one. Um, and some... Uh, uh, some other fouls uh, going back and forth, some little stoppages that just interrupt the, the pace of the game um, until the 90th minute uh, plus four. Uh, I previously announced was that there was going to be five minutes of extra time. So in, in the fourth minute extra time, we have uh, Solomon Asante's, what, what we're calling his third goal, what USL calls his second goal, uh, with a right-footed shot off of an assist from the substitute Evan Waldrop, uh, the GCU product here uh, that, that everybody just loves to love. Yeah, was that his first professional assist? Uh, yeah, I would. That's the first one that comes to mind. I would that have to say right that to is his first professional assist. Um, and I mean, great to see it. I mean, I when I saw that Waldrop was coming on, I mean, it's. I think that it was one of those situations that he came on because maybe we didn't have any hope that we were getting at anything out of this game. But I mean, I would lo love to see more of him. I I think getting him on the field regularly has been huge for our, our development or his development, but also for our midfield, because I think when he comes in, 
for Colin Fernandez, I don't really see a drop off in the midfield at all. I mean, I think that maybe maybe Fernandez is a bit more attacking, but I mean, as we saw, um, Waldrop has been robbed of a goal and he's had a assist now. So I mean, his track record's been pretty solid for only having substitute role. Definitely. Um, unfortunately, it felt like there might not be enough time to get like a last clear cut chance after this goal and. That's kind of how it played out. So um, finished 4-3 to Orange County despite a great fight back. And, you know, let's try to unpack this a little bit. Did you guys feel like this result was fair? Um, the only reason I'll say yes is because if you look at the shooting accuracy, I mean, Orange County had phoenix beat as far as that to to have 20 shots and six on target for phoenix i mean that's just not gonna do it i mean it's just not enough um i mean that's the one thing for me i mean i i don't think that it's i think that because of the penalty you can say that it should have been a draw but i mean we just did not convert enough of our opportunities and it ultimately ended up hurting us so let's run down the stats on that just a little bit. Uh, you had mentioned uh, Phoenix Rising with 20 shots, Orange County with 12. To put six on target against uh, Orange County, a lot more accurate uh, with eight out of 12 on target. Um, Phoenix had five shots, five of their shots being blocked in a very um, – uh, in a box that had a lot of congestion in it, they were uh, Orange County played them very tight. We did have nine shots in the box, but five of those met the foot of a defender before uh, before being uh, put off. And I think that's what's so frustrating about this match. A lot of those were in the first half when we had some possession, we had some opportunities, and maybe you know had the ball in dangerous areas where we deserved to test the keeper, but a defender would stick his foot in the way and prevent that from happening. I know right before Orange County's first goal, Devin Vega had a shot that was going towards that, uh, towards the post. It looked like inside of the post. Would have at least forced the keeper to make a good save, but it gets blocked. So, and then they go ahead and... But, I mean, you're, you guys are right. You have to put the ball on frame. You have to test the keeper and make them work because once we started doing that, you know, we started getting goals. We had quality shots. I know Andre Rawls hasn't been getting consistent playing time, and maybe one or two of those he could have done better. But you don't know if you don't try. Uh, you gotta, you gotta force him to make those plays, and we didn't do that until it was a little too late. Um, and you know, another question here is, what is going on with the defense? Because I don't think that these four goals we conceded are the kinds of four-goal games we were giving up against Monarchs and Fresno, where a lot of those are just really simple errors, really basic errors where we're just falling asleep. You know, a couple of those were good goals. The penalty's probably not anything. Fourth goal's bad, but I don't know. What were you guys' thoughts on the defensive performance? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think it was the worst performance like, like you said that the the monarchs and the fresno games definitely stick out more 
in my mind, as far as um, bad goals conceded against us. The first two from Seton and Envoldson, I mean, quality, quality goals. Penalty, you know, that's it's a penalty. There's nothing there. Exactly. The fourth goal was the only bad goal. But still, I mean, worrying to see so many goals go in. But then again, I mean, up until the penalty, it looked like we were only going to concede those two goals. The penalty really is what deflated the team. So, I mean, I wouldn't say the defense was as much as a concern. But, I mean, we need to tighten it up. We need to see pressing, especially in our near our own box. Um, but, I mean, for me, it was just the lack of converting opportunities and just the lack of sharpness last night when it came to finishing. That's what really did us in. Yeah, definitely, definitely agree. Um, I'm sure we will have more fan questions about this match that we will get to in the supporter section. Uh, in the meantime, we should probably look forward to next week's match in Las Vegas at Cashman Field. Another one of those glorious baseball-slash-soccer multi-purpose stadiums. Um, and we're going to be playing the meme team known as Las Vegas Lights. Uh, they are, you know, in the midst of a very tough first season, uh, well outside the top eight in the Western Conference. Um, the reason they are such a meme team, it started way back with the jerseys in February, um, but, you know, their on-field performances have kind of supported that, just picking up red cards just about every week. Uh, they picked up another red card in a 4-1 loss to St. Louis on Saturday. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'm sure that they're leading the USL in red cards picked up, because it, it really feels like every match um, that they're getting one. Freddie Adu might be in the starting 11 for them. Uh, that's definitely the most prominent name on their roster. For those of you going to the match, he will be wearing number 11 with Las Vegas lights. Um, uh, Hui Kui is an important defender to remember, uh, formerly on the Me Mexican national team. Um, if you're looking for goals, uh, Raul Mendiola might score some, maybe Sammy Ochoa. Um, you know, Ferrino and Net, sometimes he has nice games, but uh, it's, it's a really weird roster. I don't feel like there's much continuity there, and uh, it, it really shows in the standings and in the results for them. Las Vegas will enter our match at 7 wins, 5 draws, and 10 losses. And that's a flattering record because they have a minus 14 goal differential. I will say they do tend to play pretty well at home. Uh, their home record is 5-2-3. Five, uh, five, and three. Um, They... There's some some form of sports gambling that allow in the seats. Um, it, it, it's a strange place. They have a, uh, a hype guy who loves to yell. Um, they have a lot of promotion that goes on around it. It's a very, very interesting place to play. And I think that the supporters that are on their way up there on uh, the team trip are going to have a really great time. Yeah. Sorry, Aaron. Do you mind repeating some of the stuff at the beginning? I think we just lost you for a few seconds there. 
yeah, I don't know what happened. I got uh, I, I saw the mute there. Uh, what I was what I was saying is uh, they do play very well at home. Uh, they're five, two, and three at home. Um, it, it's a very raucous stadium. Uh, they fit about eleven thousand in that stadium, and they have been able to sell it out. Uh, they they have their hype guy um, who's always talking, or who seems to feel like he talks through the whole game. Game, play music, they party, they go crazy. It is a uh, a, a stadium befitting of the city. Kyle, what are your thoughts on this Las Vegas trip? I know you were thinking about going to the match. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm still on the fence. It's going to come down to uh, to whether I have the the time to head up there for Saturday. I'll probably just make a you know one day trip out of it. But I would love to go up there and see. Um, I mean, I, I've you know watched a couple of their matches this season, and yeah, it does look like they have quite the. Uh, the home ex- home crowd experience. It looks like they're definitely doing something different from what uh, most other USL teams are doing. I mean, we've seen that through all their promotions and sponsorships, and you know the smiley face under the jersey and the DJ in the locker room. And I mean, I think we could go on and on with that. But um, I mean, this game, it's it's kind of worrying initially because, like Aaron said, they're they're a tough team to beat at home. They have a decent home record, but I almost think that coming off of such a tough loss that we did, I think that that could almost work in our benefit because our guys are going to be motivated and hungry, and these three points are going to be crucial. Um, And, I mean, actually, Las Vegas travels to Orange County this Wednesday to play, I believe it's August 15th, to play Orange County. So maybe we're able to see Las Vegas pull a result off against Orange County and maybe get a little depleted uh, energy-wise so we come back and maybe play against a tired team that played midweek. So I think that this game, I mean, everything is there for Phoenix to take take points away from Vegas, but, I mean, it, it's one that I kind of am going to be caution, cautious just because of, uh, I mean, just our, our lack of finishing. If, if you know, we're not able to, to do something early on, I think it could really hurt us. This has all the makings of, like, a, a trap game. This feels like USL yeah. after dark, like the equivalent of Pac-12 after dark, where, like, you have this team that comes in, they really should take care of business against this team that's not all that, and yet, you know, it's going to be an interesting atmosphere, um, our first time playing there. The thing that concerns me the most, there are two things that concern me about this match. First thing is, their field, I don't know if you guys have seen this, their field is very narrow. The most narrow field I have seen in USL this season. Um, I know a lot of these baseball fields can be a little narrow. We saw that in Reno early this year. But the field at Cashman Field looks like something that 8th graders would play on. There's no space on the wings. And I think that actually plays to their style. Because they like to muck it up, pack things tight in the middle, be physical. And they score a lot of goals off of set pieces corner kicks and kind of, that kind of stuff then once they have a 1-0 lead they can hold on to that and that's why you see them get a lot of these 1-0 home wins because they can kind of get that goal sit on it doesn't really work out so well on the road um that that concerns me a lot because we do so well on the wings with asante with billy forbes if he's good next week you know maybe with jason johnson and the other thing is their physicality these guys pick up red cards like crazy and I'm really worried that one of them loses their head 
and seriously injures one of our players. Because that would have ramifications a lot longer than next Saturday. And none of that would be surprising given uh, given the game that we got to see at Phoenix Rising Soccer Complex. Uh, they Their, their goalie, uh, Firmino, um, just launches the ball up i mean it, it was almost like they were pl like our goalies were playing tennis for a good chunk of that game uh because it would just be launch 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 back and forth and they play they do play with incredibly high emotion almost irrational emotion at times which is essentially what's caused them to be uh um, the worst team for yellow cards among uh their second for red cards um and their second for overall fouls but behind uh behind fresno but it's like by a lot. So <laughs> when talking about 61, uh, 61 reds compared to 50, uh, I'm sorry, 61 yellows compared to 54 for Fresno. Um, in the fouls conceded, we don't have much to talk about here in Phoenix because we're actually third there. Uh, Vegas with 352 fouls, us with 312 fouls overall. You know, there, there's a discipline aspect for both teams that is going to be concerning for player safety. Yeah, yeah. And I, I will be very interested to see who the referee that is assigned to this match and, um, you know, how he's able to maintain control because this is a, this is definitely going to be an emotional match. I mean, if, if I have to compare uh, uh, Las Vegas to a big European team, I would say they're the Atletico Madrid of the Western Conference. I mean, they, they just seem like the type of team they play with their hearts on their sleeve, very physical, very emotional. And like Dominic said, if they're able to to put in a goal off a set piece or something, um, they can just lock the game down and, you know, grind out a 1-0. So it's definitely a game that Phoenix is going to have to come into with a cool head and uh, be able to create opportunities early on. I think that's a massive compliment to uh... – Las Vegas Lights putting them in Atletico Madrid's uh, shoes. I think they're more the early 2010 Stoke of our league. <laughs> well, I, I was I wasn't saying they were Atletico Madrid. I was just making a comparison. But Stoke's a great comparison too because uh, I mean I don't know if it's going to be rainy in Las Vegas <laughs> next weekend, but uh, there could be some tough nights. So I could see the comparisons for sure. Yeah, do, do you guys want to give some predictions for this match, how you think it's going to turn out? Um, I'm going to go 2-1 Phoenix. Actually, no, I'll go 3-1. I think I think we're able to get get on track. Um, I'll even say I think I think we see Asante. I think I see a Devin Vega goal and maybe a brace for Asante and a Devin Vega goal. That's what I'm going to say. I don't know what odds I want to put on any of that, um, given the fact that it's in Las Vegas. Uh, you know, let, let's say uh, we're going to have an Evan Waldrop goal um, at a 50-1 uh, a to 1 shot there. No. Uh, this is a really hard one to predict. Um I think that that home field advantage, that skinny, strange field that looks so odd when you're watching the stream. I hate um, that field it, so much it, when I watch it, that stream. It, uh, I, I, it scares me. I see, you know, anytime I see that that, that baseball diamond that's part of the field, it, it's really scary. Um, I, to be honest with you, I think we're we're going to be at like a two-two draw. Uh, I think it's hard place to play. Um, wow. Definitely, uh, definitely 
the uh, yin to Kyle's yang. I am going to say we get this win. It might be a tough game, but I, I really like that 3-1 number. Kyle, I feel like you stole that one before I could say it, so I'm going to go... I'll say 2-1. I say maybe we get a late winner. Um, this I think this will be a match that tests our mental toughness, but I think the guys come through. And I would be interested to see if this is a tie game the last 10-15 minutes. Will we see a Drogba cameo? Ooh, and that I mean, then that's a great point. I, it def, it mo, I, to Aaron's credit, it most definitely could be a two-two draw. And I mean, it could be it could be two-two. We see Drogba come on in some late-game heroics to win it three-two. I mean, I I think I think that this game it could be decided late. But I mean, my my gut wants to say that after that tough loss, that Phoenix comes out hot on the road against Las Vegas. But I mean, this narrow field, it definitely could work against us. It's it's going to be really interesting to see how Shantz approaches this match. Yeah, for sure. And I'll, I'll be looking at set pieces in this match. I think if we can at least hold our own on set pieces, I think we're going to be fine winning this game. If we lose the set piece battle, that's where you could see us drawing or picking up a loss. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, th with that all being said, let's go to team news. Uh, we have a couple stories, but the biggest one is Peter Ramage. Former Phoenix Rising player, uh, Peter Ramage, and Arizona United. Um, he actually joins the coaching staff. It was announced on Friday that he would be joining the coaching staff effective immediately, and he was on the sideline with the team for yesterday's match. What are your guys' thoughts on this? He joins Blair Gavin, another former player on that coaching staff. Uh, I mean, I, it's great to see Peter um, come back. And, I mean, I know he was he was back home in England with his family. But, um, I mean, it, great opportunity, I think, for him. He's shown interest in pursuing a career in uh, in management. So, I mean, it's, it's awesome, I think. I think that... This is actually going to be a benefit for us when it comes to defense going forward. Um, I mean, Ramage was, we all know, he was our stone wall. Him and Stewart, they, they were able to build such a great partnership back there in defense, and he was such a leader. So I think having him on the sidelines now is really going to help our back line. I think he's going to be able to speak to them during the match and, and in the locker room at halftime and really, really help tighten up some of these mistakes that we've seen um, the past few weeks, so I think I think the timing of this is great, and I mean I'm I'm so excited to see uh, see Ramage back here in Phoenix. So I'm super stoked. I I got really tied in, uh, really enjoyed sort of the senior leadership that we had last year in terms of Sean Wright Phillips, Peter Ramage, uh, Jordan Stewart. I really liked having those bodies and those minds uh, being on the field, and it was really great great to see see them and. Of the joy that you get, even though your your top level, top top level uh, professional career is over. Um, of course, Ramage was on the team and has worked with Dia, with Cody Wakasa, with Luigi Mala, with Victor Vasquez. Um, so he's seen these guys. Um, he's got a couple new faces uh, to work with. Some some guys that are getting uh, additional playing time uh, in Joey Farrell. Um, so I think he's going to be able to give them some better insight. But truly, 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 um, I think this was 
maybe one of the front office's only missteps that I've seen in the past two years is that it took so long to get an assistant coach uh, to be able to help Coach Chance out. Yeah, I mean, um, it'll be it'll be great to see Ramage come in with so much experience, playing experience, and experience with many players on this roster. Um, I'm excited to see him work with um, with Joe Farrell, especially because uh, I think they're players of similar builds, like very tall, um, can score a goal or two on the attack, um, and they're supposed to be that center back, that true center back. I'd love to see Ramage get involved with that. Um, and with Mala too. I mean, it seems like a win-win, you know, a win for Ramage to get his coaching slash management career started. I think it's a win for the team to have someone with so much experience that can step in right away. And a win for the fans, too, because we we all are so happy to see one of our own uh, get in there and make a difference. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, great, great business all around. Um, great for great for our defense. Great for the coaching staff, and yeah, great for the fans. I'm I'm super excited. I think that we'll see improvements going forward, and it'll definitely be a result of uh, Rambo's knowledge and hard work. Uh, so that was that was the big team news from this week. This is not necessarily rising news, but um, you know Arizona soccer news. In UPSL, the team that beat us in the Open Cup, um, Arizona United, they have made it to the UPSL. Sport, sporting Arizona. Or Sporting Arizona. Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, Arizona United is the first team they beat over there. Um, sporting Arizona made it to the UPSL final, and they're playing right now. And Aaron, what's the score looking like? Well, unfortunately, uh, the Sporting Arizona uh, Sporting Arizona FC boys are currently down three, uh, three to nothing in the 58th minute. Uh, this is a really interesting tournament. UPSL being a league that I, last time I looked had about 170 teams across the nation. Um, it is a, a, a very strong amateur team with a lot of very close regional ties. Um, California has. Um, uh, just a ton of teams and uh, so Sporting Arizona has made it through uh, their different regional regionals uh, they won their conference made it through the different regional tournaments and now uh, are playing in the national final um, the format of course for any amateur league is that you got to try and keep costs down as much as humanly possible um, so they had a semi-final uh, they had a quarterfinal on Friday a semi-final on Saturday and now the final game here on Sunday um, as uh, as I am looking as we're doing the podcast and, and, and kind of tracking it it seems like three games in three days is going to be pretty darn hard for anybody to play at a high level. Um, and uh, unfortunately, that's showing in the results so far well, in the 59th. Hang on, though. I just checked Twitter, and they scored two goals, so now it's 3-2 in the 77th. You're kidding. And they even had a penalty to tie that just went off the crossbar. So still down 2-3, but it's been a rapid comeback. Maybe some of that Phoenix Rising magic from yesterday is coming off on them. Well, this is interesting. So this is, of course, one of the most interesting parts of amateur soccer is that here we, uh, 
they, they're use, utilizing a, uh, a great website to be able to get the word out about their team, but uh, there can be with the delays in the broadcast. Uh, but yeah, you're exactly right. That's great. And and either way, it's a massive accomplishment for you know such a team to make it to this stage out of over 100 teams in UPSL nationally to make it to this stage to win their division and then to even win the national quarterfinals, semifinals, and in pretty dramatic fashion in a lot of those matches. Yeah, yeah. I mean, great, great to see for you know local soccer here in the valley. And I mean, uh, from a from a Phoenix Rising standpoint, looking back now, I think we cannot be so uh, so salty as to lose to a fourth division team because I mean they've shown that that wasn't a fluke, and they are definitely a quality fourth division side that could uh, can definitely compete with the best of them. So I mean, it, good for them and. You know, hopefully they're able to get the comeback right now in the final that they need. And of course, one of the best things about uh, you know about being able to track this, and and from the perspective of Firebird Soccer, who really, uh, where we're really trying to promote local soccer, we're trying to promote uh, all levels from from uh, you know youth to adult leagues, um, and to be able to have these guys, guys like Andrew Weber, uh, David Paul, Mo Salama, John uh, John Goose. Um, Dom Papa, Tony Casico, uh, all these guys are local guys. They play here in local leagues. Anybody who wants to come out, uh, you know, when they're not playing with sporting, you can actually play against these guys and, and test yourself. And they're great ambassadors for the sport in Arizona. So uh, incredibly proud of Sporting Arizona, incredibly proud of the coaching staff and, and everybody that's involved over there, including uh, our, our good, fr- good friend Kyle Kepner. Yeah, uh, no one, no one deserves this kind of exciting run more than Kyle uh, covering the team after covering uh, Phoenix Rising for so many years with Firebird Soccer. Um, well, with that being said, was there any other big team news before we get into USL scores and standings? Uh, oh, there was. I think there was one small thing you wanted to mention, Aaron. Yeah, so uh, there was, you know, the relationship between supporters and uh, front office and the team is always one that that is is so incredibly important. Uh, we had a a really um, a strange situation in the supporters group, or in the in the supporters section. Um, at this game, which was handled internally, uh, primarily between uh, between the, the the Fury and the Banditos, uh, where an unknown person put up a political-oriented sign. Uh, that political-oriented sign was noticed um, and was handled internally by the supporters. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing, self-policing, uh, self-policing that section in order to main- make sure that it is a fun, safe environment, uh, and that. Uh, ensuring that the team rules that where no pol- political signs are supposed to be put up um, is, is being followed. Uh, the supporters are always very careful because they know the conduct of one uh, can be attributed to many, and that's something that's actually uh, um, in in the news right now related to the Chicago fire and how they're dealing with one of their supporter sections um, in a really a pr- particularly a tr- 
atrocious manner. So props to uh, to the, the Red Fury, props to Banditos for self-policing and creating a really great environment out there and ensuring the team rules are being followed. Yeah, just, uh, you know, use common sense when you're going to the supporter section. I think it's a fairly self-explanatory thing, and I think the vast majority of supporters do that every week, so um, that's cool, and, you know, hopefully we don't see too many more of these things, but I don't, I don't think it's a big concern if it's just a one-off. Uh, well, with that, I think we can go to USL scores and standings. Um, we'll go through the scores first. And there were a couple interesting results in the Western Conference. Um, I saw a good tweet online yesterday, someone saying, in the Eastern Conference, eh, the scores aren't too bad. It's kind of what you would expect. The Western Conference, everything's going crazy. Um, and so Monarchs loses last night. Uh, number one team in the Western Conference, and right now the number one team overall in USL. But they lose 3-2 at Oklahoma City. This was an interesting match. OKC goes up by two in the first half. Monarchs tie it quickly in the second. But then they allow the winner from um, from Patterson. And so it ends up being a win for OKC, a team that's outside of the playoffs. Um pretty crazy to see that uh but yeah monty patterson puts in the winning goal for oklahoma city and uh you know maybe keeps them on the fringes of playoff contention uh another weird match yesterday that you know doesn't really affect us but just interesting tulsa roughnecks come back from down one nil at halftime to beat colorado springs 2-1 uh you know colorado springs has dropped several tough matches in succession it looks like they aren't going to make the playoffs for the second year in a row after being a strong team in USL previously. Um, St. Louis beat Las Vegas Lights 4-1. Timbers 2 with a result over Swope Park Rangers. They get a 2-0 win in Swope Park. And this is a pretty, this is a pretty interesting result. It's actually time to press the panic button if you're Swope Park. Uh, they are now zero wins, two draws, five losses in their last seven matches. Um, the goals were scored by Ebo Bise coming down from the Timbers' first team. He scores in the seventh minute, and Barmby gets a 55th-minute penalty for the 2-0 for Portland. Then at night, San Antonio loses to Sounders 2. I mean, what a weird result that is. Sounders 2 at the bottom of the Western Conference. And they were actually down in this match, uh, 2-1 to San Antonio, but they score one right before halftime to draw it. And then they pick up a go-ahead goal in the 68th. Even after picking up a red card, they hold on for the 3-2 win. And Sounders outshot San Antonio 21-11 and 11 shots on target to three. That's just bizarre. Um... And then the one match where there is a somewhat predictable result, Sacramento Republic wins 2-1 over RGV. But even in this match, they have to score two in the second half to rally for that win. Are there any takeaways from those results? Because it's a pretty weird string of results. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of, I mean, I guess upsets you could call them and, and comebacks, you know, but I, I think that's that's speaking to the level of play, you know, even though there's a lot of teams that may not exactly be in playoff contention, they're still, you know, they're still putting out great quality sides and still pushing to get results against these teams. So it's it's making it interesting. Um, I, that Swope loss, I mean, that, that really sticks out to me. I mean, we we saw them do so well early on this season it seems like they've really taken a drop off and it's going to be i mean they're going to have to turn it around in order to make playoffs so we're it'll uh be interesting to see what happens going forward uh for sure and it seems like aaron is a busy person and has to tend to adult things do you want to give some closing thoughts before you head out yeah, you know, I, I definitely want to thank you guys for, uh, for having me on. Uh, it's very enjoyable. I love talking soccer. Um, there's, you know, three things that I talk about in my life uh, primarily is uh, either my kids, uh, my profession as a tax accountant, or soccer, and only one of them I really like to talk about. So uh, you can pick which one of those three uh, <laughs> may, may, may fit, may be that answer, but please don't tell my wife. Dollar dollar bills, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Aaron. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Bye. So that was Aaron. He will be a part of our podcast in the weeks to come, um, you know, depending on the Jeff Wentz situation and maybe even beyond that. Um, there is no rule restricting us to three people on this podcast. So, um, But with that being said, it's going to be us for the last maybe 20 minutes or so. Um Kyle, what were your thoughts on some of these scores? I mean, yeah, really, really surprising, honestly. I mean, the the Monarchs going down in OKC, I mean, we talked about they'd had some, some road struggles, so maybe not the biggest shock, but still to see them drop a game, um, I mean, it, it's, it would have been better for us, I think, had we been able to pick up points last night, but uh, still, still a good, I guess, loss for us you could say um i mean san antonio too that that one really i think i mean they're still in a playoff position but we talked about how we thought they could really climb up the uh the western conference and this one i think is going to be one of those tough ones that they they were expecting three points or at least one and they came away with nothing so that's going to be that's going to be really tough um but yeah i mean I, i really i think that the phoenix one was one that I'm not really surprised by their result. We talked about it, that it could have ended in a loss for Phoenix. I think we're surprised by the, the amount of goals we saw, too. So, I mean, it's it's definitely been a an interesting week in the Western Conference. A lot of, I mean, a lot of goals that were scored this week. I think usually we see more, you know, 1-0, 2-1 games, and I think there were a lot of multi-goal games this week. So, so just great to see. Definitely. Um, so we go to standings now and let's see what we got. It's Real Monarch still on top of the West with 47 points. Orange County moves into second place with 44 points, uh, from 24 matches played. So Monarchs have a match in hand. Orange County has superior goal differential, but that is not the primary tiebreaker in USL. It is wins. So Real Monarchs also has that tiebreaker, 15 wins to 13 for Orange County. Um, so they're going to be tough to take off that number one spot now. In third is Sacramento at 43 points from 24 matches played. Fourth, Phoenix Rising, 41 points, 23 matches played. 
in fifth. It's Reno on 37 points. They've been on that number for a month now. They've only played two matches in that time. Two close defeats. They have an interesting match coming up against Swill Park next weekend. Um, but they're in fifth on 37. Sixth place, Timbers 2 on 36 points. Seventh is San Antonio with 34 points from 22 matches played. And kind of a missed opportunity for them because they could have jumped into a tie for fifth with a win yesterday. A win that you would have expected San Antonio to pull. In eighth place, Swole Park on 33 points. Uh, they are just hanging on now to that eighth spot because right behind them, across the state, St. Louis FC with 32 points and two matches in hand. Um, they've only played 22 matches this season. 10th place is Colorado Springs, 31 points. 11th is Fresno with 30 points. 12th is OKC, moving up to 29 points. 13th is Vegas with 26. 14th is LA Galaxy 2 with 23. And rounding it out is RGV Toros, Sounders 2, and Tulsa Roughnecks. I mean, I think the big winners this week are Orange County for moving up to second place, uh, Sacramento for getting into third, and, you know, St. Louis, because a couple weeks ago they were looking just about done, and they've had a great run of form lately. And now I fancy their chances to get that eighth spot over Swope Park. Yeah, yeah, I was actually going to, if you didn't say St. Louis, I was going to, because, I mean, that win alone, a 4-1 against Vegas, you know, that's a good result, and then just their their current form, they've definitely improved, and yeah, they're showing that they could, uh, they could definitely make playoffs, and I think they're going to be one of those teams that you don't want to see, even on the road, in playoffs in that first round, because they could pull off an upset, just because they're a tough, tough team to break down. And, um, I mean, they have some quality players, so it, it's, it'll definitely be interesting to see where they end up. I, I agree with you. I think they will maybe get that eight spot. Yeah. Yeah, definitely an interesting attack with Corey Herzog and Kyle Gregg up there. Um, I mean, that's also three straight wins for them over Reno, Sounders 2, and Las Vegas Lights. So they're moving on up. Um that's that's probably it for the Western Conference. Um, you know, a lot of teams on the fringes, but I, I think St. Louis is in a much better spot because they have so many more matches in hand uh, on teams like Fresno, Colorado Springs. It's just a weird season for Fresno, too, to have that kind of a goal difference. They have a, a plus-six goal difference, but they're in 11th place, probably going to miss the playoffs pretty yeah. bizarre it, very bizarre for them and i mean and, and to to have so many matches in hand colorado springs too um i mean it's it is weird and it's it seems like they kind of front loaded this the schedule of the season but then as it gets down to crunch time they're just going to run out of matches i think and that's uh that's going to be tough to see but you know not everyone can make it so that's yeah that's kind of where true. we're at in the league right now um you know, Eastern Conference, since he's still on top, and a lot of the same storylines out there. Um, you know, maybe one weird one is Tampa Bay Rowdies are looking like they're going to miss the playoffs. I know we barely talk about Eastern Conference, but that's a very unusual thing. 
going into the season, there was a lot of hype there. They beat Monarchs at home, and really things have fallen off the face of the map since then. Yeah, a team you definitely expect to see in the Eastern Conference playoff picture. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, like you, I, I follow it, the Eastern Conference a little bit, but I haven't seen too much on what's been going on there, but it just seems like they just haven't been getting the results they've been needing. And uh, what, that puts them in 12th place right now. So it's, yeah, definitely not where you expect them to see coming into this season. And the, the crazy thing is they had a coaching change that was supposed to turn things around, and yet... Um, winless in their last four matches and they even lost to Ottawa in that stretch so um, it's that's just a bizarre thing probably the most disappointing team in the league um, but with that being said let's go to supporter section questions and we do have a couple the first one it comes from Rob Sell and this is something that we've discussed a little bit but maybe we can get into more he just comments the back line dot 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 and it's a gif of what you doing uh yeah i mean it, it, last night especially it was kind of one of those nights to where you just want to scream with a megaphone press them get in there you know get 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 up on your man and you know don't give them all the space that we were giving them because i mean it we saw those two early goals they were both the result of us giving orange county space of us not pressing them outside the 18, of us just letting them have shots on goal. And, I mean, usually, yeah, we can rely on Carl to make those tough saves, but it's not fair to do that all the time. And Orange County's got players that are able to even beat Carl Wazinski. So it's, uh, it was kind of just frustrating to watch that back line and wonder what were they doing. I mean, to me, I don't know if they weren't wanting to expel all their energy right away i know it was a bit of a warm humid night but i mean i just i i'm with you rob i'm not really sure what they were doing early on in that match yeah and you know i i love i shouldn't say i love i've criticized defont a little bit more than the other players throughout the course of this season but i i do think that it's a team effort um win draw and defeat and you know, I think everyone in the back line has to look themselves in the mirror and say, what could we have done better? I mean, um, you know, it was Defont a couple times not closing out on shots, but, you know, you even saw Amadou Dia in that first half. He made a good couple good plays to track back early on, and then it looked like he was getting winded before halftime and not closing in on those shots. And, you know, there were a couple chances where Carl made saves, but Dia wasn't tracking the men, and that allowed them to get time, gather themselves, fire a rocket on goal. Um, you know, everyone can say they could have done something better. DeBose, not the best in distribution, and that, that kind of set Orange County up the other way a couple times. And Mala, at least on one occasion, didn't close out the best either. So, you know, it's really a group effort, and... You know, maybe we'll bring Joey Farrell. We'll probably have to bring Farrell in next week, and you know, hopefully he can help us out back there. But yeah. I think everyone's got to look themselves in the mirror, pick it up a little bit. Um, and while they didn't deserve to concede four goals last night, it still is 13 conceded in five matches. The numbers don't lie, and I think everyone knows they can bring more to the table. And so we'll just have to see that next week. 
Absolutely. I mean, you you made a great point just saying they need to look themselves in the mirror because I think we all can agree that if Patrice Carterone were here, this would not be happening or these guys would not be seeing the pitch. He would he would not put up with all these goals being conceded. So um, I think that that they definitely need to to just you know look at themselves and say hey we can do better. They've they've done better. We know that we can expect more from them. So uh, we'll just look to see that going forward. Joe Farrell will definitely be playing next week if if Mala is suspended like we said. So uh, hopefully he's able to put in a solid performance. Right. Uh, next. Next question, and it's kind of a two-pack from Matt Skinner. Uh, his first part is, do you think inserting Drogba into the team at this point will help or hurt? And the second part is, also, do you see him up top or in a central midfield role? Um, I, it will absolutely help. I think, I think the past couple weeks we've been needing Drogba and his leadership. Um, to just kind of let the guys know, hey, calm down, you know, calm down on the shots you're taking, take your time, we'll we'll convert these opportunities, and we just, we haven't had that, we haven't had the, the level-headed leadership, I feel like, that we've needed. We have Solomon Asante, but I don't see Solomon Asante speaking as much as acting. I think he leads with his action on the field and with his play. Um, so to have Drogba back in his vocal leadership, and I mean, I think when it comes to other teams, you know, they they put a lot of attention on Drogba, which then will open up other guys. So having him back is going to be huge. And the second question, I think we see more of the central role. I think seeing him up top is kind of the days of old, especially as he's been aging. Um, and I mean, he's done so well in that number 10 type role. And I really do, I mean, we've seen great things from both Awako and Vega, but I, Drogba just brings the Drogba factor and that influence that he can have on a match and that bit of brilliant individual magic. So I definitely think that we see Drogba back in the lineup, and I see him in the center role. I mean, and Cortez, to his credit, has had a great season, so I don't, I don't think we put Drogba in who has played very little this season for someone in Cortez who's been a mainstay and though he's had to struggle at times he has had great moments so um yeah that's that's kind of what I see yeah I mean this is this is definitely a time of the year where we could use Drogba where his presence is going to be appreciated as we get down to this home stretch I mean ultimately the team did what it needed to do kept us in top four, kept us in striking distance for top two, which were our season objectives all along. Um, but, you know, having his presence, it's going to give us the ability to, you know, win matches we maybe don't deserve, to find moments of magic, you know, for the home fans, um, just to grind out some of those results in these dog days of August leading into September that these are going to be key results for us down the stretch, um, especially you know, with our midfield, we have some good passers in there, but we've lacked at times a guy that can really score goals from the midfield. And so this gets to the second part of the question. I see him more as like the number 10 role, uh, the holding midfielder who can get up there on set pieces, who can deliver um, good free kicks. Uh, kind of like the late career Francesco Totti or um, 
you know, just even his role at Chelsea uh, later in his career, where you're kind of just the do-it-all. You can track back on defense a little bit. I don't really see him as a up-front striker. Maybe in some matches, but I think I think come playoffs, we probably see Drogba more in that midfield. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how I see it too. I, I agree completely. Um, I mean, yeah, I think I think that both of us can can say that he could play pretty much anywhere on the field. I haven't seen him in net, but I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he's not a half-bad goalie. So I think we could see Drogba about anywhere, but um, I, I think the number 10 will be his best position for Phoenix. Right, and, you know, that's how you know you have one of the greats on your hands is they can play anywhere and be an asset. So um, that's that's what I see moving forward once he comes back in and as far as timeline i think we've talked about this before the most likely is we see him back in the lineup against san antonio on the 22nd maybe he gets a late match cameo in vegas yeah yeah hopefully i mean i think i think it'd be good for drogba to see the field a little bit in um i mean i personally hope he is in the lineup for that san antonio next home match against San Antonio, I think that's a match where we will need his influence. Um, so I think it'd be good to get him a little bit of time in Vegas, even if it's just, you know, 10, 15 minutes. Um, and I mean, I think it'd be, it'd be great for Las Vegas for their fans to be able to see him and, you know, the crowd. So, uh, hopefully that is the case, but I mean, we'll just have to really see if, if not, I really will expect to see him against San Antonio. Right. Um, Right. I mean, and we can go to closing thoughts now, I think. Uh, those are our supporter section questions for today. Uh, thank you both for bringing in great questions and for listening. Um, so, you know, I guess I'll start this week. Tough loss. It's hard to be too rational about a match like that where it really is just an absolute seesaw from, you know, total... Uh, defeat, total despair to dominating the game and feeling unlucky to not get something from it. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you always like that these guys fight. This loss was a lot less frustrating than, you know, Fresno or Real Monarchs because the guys kept playing hard. They didn't give up. You know, when they faced a deficit, they kept battling and were pretty... You know, in my mind, pretty unlucky to not get a point from this match. You know, hitting the post, having that great header chance that just missed, and, you know, being on the wrong end of a pretty phantom penalty call. And despite all that, they almost get the result. I think it speaks a lot to the character of this team. I think the defense will be fine next week. It's still a concern that we aren't having great matches against the good teams, but... We've seen what this team can do against quality opposition. I, you know, as Jeff would say, is it time to press the panic button? No, it's not. No, it's not. You're absolutely right. Um, I, I mean, a huge letdown to not get something out of that that Orange County match. Um, I mean, we, we. I think we all feel like we definitely should have gotten something, at least a point. But you know, that's not. That's not uh, that's not how the sport always 
is played out. And I mean, that's why we love the game. You know, it's it can be brutal at times, but it's it's just so entertaining to watch. Um, but I mean, what, what I really want to focus on for me is, I mean, we we've seen these four nothing, four one results these past few weeks, but. In the past two games before this, we hadn't seen the fight back by the team that we did last night. And that shows me something huge, that they were they were willing. You know, they, they knew pretty much at 4 nothing that the odds of them getting something out of the game were slim to none. So they could have, you know, just packed it in, given up, and just kicked the ball around the rest of the night, not really tried to do anything. But they didn't do that. They pushed, and they tried to get something out of the game for the fans and I think that was great to see. You know, that was that was super inspiring. And, I mean, it made it ex- exciting for me. It made me not not feel bad staying as if I had wasted the rest of my night. I know a lot of fans did decide to leave. And um, for them, I'm sure they're bummed out now. Because the, even though we lost, it was a it was an exciting loss. It wasn't a loss that you, you can hold your head high. Because it was still a great match. And we took Orange County to the very end. It took 95 minutes plus for them to beat us. So, um, and uh, like we said, a, a phantom penalty. So it's, uh, you know, it wasn't the worst result going forward. I definitely think we'll see improvements. I think Ramage will bring some steadiness to the to our defense. I think his his defensive mind will definitely be a huge asset to the club. So, and then we got Drogba coming back as well. So, I mean, everything's everything's looking up right now. I think going to Vegas, like we said, we just need to go in there. Um, not let the tight field hurt us too much and just play our game and I think we can get something out of it. So, you know, just just keep doing what we've been doing. Everything's still going according to plan. Um, just keep pushing for home playoffs. Right. I mean, uh, you know, not the ideal result, but it's it's important to look at the big picture in these situations. There was right about this time last year a home match against San Antonio where it was an absolute grinder of a nil-nil. We were very unlucky to not score. Uh, Restrepo made several saves, and then they get a completely bogus penalty to win 1-0. And at that point, we were feeling pretty bad about things. And then the team went on its best stretch of its franchise history with 11 unbeaten. So let's not lose sight that there's still two months to play. Still a lot of home matches coming up. Um... And these guys could be playing their best football of the year these last two months with Drogba finally in the regular rotation and wanting to finish his career strong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all know Drogba. He's he's a showman. He's going to want to put on a show and finish this season off right. And if I know Drogba, he's going to want to do that in the playoffs in, in a championship match, if possible. So... Um, there's going to be no doubt that we're going to see improvements from this team. And I, going back on that San Antonio match you mentioned, I remember that match vividly, and that loss still hurts. Whereas this loss to Orange County, I don't think it's going to stick around and hurt because it wasn't a match that I feel like we worked so hard and yet we were completely robbed. I think Phoenix, they might have deserved that loss last night, but to come back and at least have a chance was was great to see from a fan standpoint so both losses but different kinds of losses for me and um but yeah i mean i think that that drogba is going to be looking 
looking forward to ending his career on the highest note possible. Right, right, indeed. So I think that'll do it for this week's episode. Um, as always, thanks for listening and go rising. Go rising. This is an emergency recording. We are recording this at the match. It is now 4-0 to Orange County in the 67th minute. Kyle, what the hell is going on? Uh, the entire team went off the field with Rigi. Honestly, uh, I mean, it's, this has been poor. This is really poor. Is it fair to say worst match of the season? Oh, yeah. No doubt. Especially at home, too. With such high expectations to... I mean, what? Have we had one, two shots on goal tonight? Maybe? Maybe two? Yeah. I can think of one, that Johnson one right here. And that was right at the keeper. Yeah. It's, we've lacked creativity, heart. I mean, I was joking about it a few minutes ago when it's 2-0, but now you're at 4. Like, I mean, maybe we'll muster a goal or two consolation. A garbage goal? Maybe. But and right as we speak, here comes Johnson. And uh, Come on, Hey! That's got to be a penalty. There we go. And maybe we should do this more often because we just earned a penalty. Yeah. Four more recordings and we'll have something. Yeah. We'll be back to you guys in a few minutes. We'll stay on for this penalty kick. But, you know, even if Solo puts us in, everything we said is still true. It's been a tough match, right? Oh, this goal means nothing. I mean, it's... If we'd scored this 50 minutes ago, then maybe. But in the 68th minute, it might just be too late. So Asante wrong foots the keeper. We got one back. We're still going to need three more, and we got 22 minutes and change. As uh, Cortez risks getting a card there, keeper trying to keep the ball away. Do you think there's any chance? Uh, I mean, I'm an optimist, so I'll say there's a chance, but... I mean, we're going to have to see a complete turnaround. It's going to be 25 minutes of Phoenix on top. It has to be. I don't think there's a chance, man. I mean, they've been on the front foot this whole match. And the worst part is there are way too many spaces in our defense, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the only way there's a chance is if we get our, if they, if Orange County gets a red card and we go up a man and get some luck. I mean, there's no way we pull out three points. I'm saying a chance at a draw, but even then, I think it's going to be too much, too high of a hill to climb. Yeah. I really do. Well, we'll throw this in there, and we'll come back on if it gets interesting. We're out. It's 4-2 now. You going to still say we got a shot? Oh, I got a shot? Absolutely. I mean, we still have 20 minutes left in this match. I can see two goals. 74th minute. There's a lot of time now. Oh, we got the time, but, but we can't let up on what's got us here. We need to keep playing direct. And that was two for Asante. Yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, it's it's coming off the same type of play. We're not crossing balls into the box. We're passing. Connecting here we go. Passes. Here's another chance. With our feet, and we can create chances. Right here. Oh! That should have been three. On, JJ. That should have been three. Come on, JJ. Seeds here! This is what you listen for! This is what you live for! Venga injecting life into this squad. Perfect cross for Johnson and it goes agonizingly wide, but we got a lot of time left. We'll keep you posted.
And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves. Roughneck Scarves is the official scarf supplier for MLS, USL, and US soccer. So be sure to go to roughneckscarves.com and get some of their products. We hope you enjoyed the show.